All right. So let's start with prayer. Mm-hmm. Oh, just so grateful, so very thankful to know that the love of God is all that there is. So grateful and so thankful in this moment to turn within and to feel divine love and goodness enfolding us. So grateful in this moment to open our heart, open our mind, open our spiritual eye to the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of being ourselves, for the purpose of being compassionate, for the purpose of being loving, kind, and caring. We are grateful and thankful to open our heart and open our mind to the love of God that's revealing itself in our activities. So grateful to simply say yes to the power of love healing us now. So grateful to share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. We dedicate our dialogue and conversation to our own healing and upliftment and to sharing that with others. We're grateful to welcome prosperity, abundance, and all manner of God's goodness flowing into our life and into our heart like a Niagara Falls of abundance and prosperity. So grateful to claim the wisdom that is ours now and forever. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 And so it is. And so it is. We got Rainbow and Jesse. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is your time. What would you like to talk about? Can we talk about um, personalities and <laughs> and uh, how? Why are, why are you uh, laughing, just, Rainbow? <laughs> because I we just spent the last two um, Sundays here with um, workshops on the Enneagram, and I know when you and I spoke last in our session, I, I mentioned that some, and so I've I've just been in this world of like personality test, Enneagram, it's like, it's just, that's just been where my, so when you said personality, I just, I was like, oh, yeah, that's where mm. I've just had a lot of thought in that recently. So I'm, and I'm not sure where your question is going, Jesse, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question is um, that, uh, you know, I, I, I sort of had a, a, a a deepening of awareness around like versus love. And I was really challenged. I was feeling very challenged by some personalities. And obviously, um, you know, I have enough practice to know that I was judging, you know, uh, these personalities. And, uh, but gave myself, you know, and I offered it up, but also gave myself permission to accept that I just might not like this personality. And I was feeling really guilty about it because um, 
I was thinking that I wasn't loving this person and I wasn't available. I couldn't see how I could be loving towards, to be honest, there's more than one person. And, um, and so I understood, like, I, I understood that there was work to be done and all of that. But at the same time, I was like, okay, so what is the truth about this person? And I got to the, you know, awareness that the truth is that they are eternal, that they are one with the one, that they are a child of God. And I love that about them. And I love them unconditionally. But I know that they are not their personalities and they are not their bodies. And so though I may not like their personality, I love them. And I had to give myself permission to be okay with that for now because um, I was really sort of feeling like I was failing in a sense like because I wasn't able to, like, like you know, I was... Uh, Every time I see the emails or I get the calls or I get whatever, I, I just feel like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with this person anymore. And uh, and uh, it just wouldn't stop. It wasn't stopping. And so I had to accept that, oh, okay. Like, so I had, to, I had a friend, a colleague say, you know, we're always in the relationships we believe we deserve. And so... One of the reasons I was staying in a relationship with this person I found was that I had guilt. There was guilt. I felt as though I owed them something. Yeah. That I, you know, that I was allowing this, tolerating this behavior, walking on eggshells, doing all this stuff, trying to accommodate sometimes their unreasonable requests because I felt guilty. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I owed it to them. But then when I have that understanding, like, I'm not guilty. And they think that there's something in me that's going to save them. And there's nothing in me that's going to save them. And I understand that they're upset and they think that I'm the reason for their upset, but I'm not the reason for their upset. And so I was able to free myself from the obligation of having to participate in the way that I was. And I was able to create what felt like a comfortable boundary for myself so I could get to, honestly, like sometimes you just need some space so you can get to loving them, you know? So I was able to get clarity, like, okay, I love them unconditionally. I love who they are. I love the truth of who they are unconditionally. That within me, which is the truth, acknowledges and sees and understands what my oneness with them, and I love that. And I don't necessarily prefer to be around their personality. And so um, I've really been contemplating this, and what role that plays as a counselor and as a minister um, and uh, as a practitioner because I find, you know, I mean, there was this definitely, I had to do a lot of healing around feeling like a failure, like I was failing all the time because I didn't like everybody. Um, And so I was just working sort of with that, just been contemplating that, um, that idea and how to be, you know, available to, you know, even this idea of boundaries, like creating boundaries, because to me that feels like there's just separation, and yet it also feels like you can be very loving to yourself as well. So these are just things that I've been contemplating in regards to my role as a minister, a friend, uh, a um, colleague, and a counselor. Yeah. Yep, it's um, certainly in this journey of human experience, 
personalities are the most challenging thing that we deal with, literally, in my experience. You know, you can call it relationship or you can call it personality, but I I do think it is personality is the most challenging thing to deal with in our experience. And so it's that thing of, in your position, you can look at it as there's an opportunity for you to strengthen. And obviously that's what you're doing and that's what you're choosing, that things where there's some inner conflict. Uh, you know, and Course in Miracles has such a great definition of conflict. It's the the definition of conflict in Course in Miracles is when what you say you would like is not what you're choosing. Mm-hmm. Then you have a conflict. So we say, oh, I'd like to have the peace of God. I'd like to have the atonement for myself. I'd like to be totally loving. And then, but there's uh, an inner conflict in the moment, which is often triggered by people's personalities, and by um, which. Thank God, because then we can choose the peace of God. We can choose mm-hmm. to have the peace of God, regardless of what's going on around us. And in order to be a true spiritual leader, in order to be an effective counselor. You have to be unaffected by what people are doing. So this is your training. And um, and you have very high awareness. So our tools are to really, the most basic thing is to really look at what is the behavior for? What is it that the person is doing? What's it for? How does it serve you and how does it serve them? to be able to understand that. So what's your, your sense of it in this case? Why is it a good thing? Um, well, I think I think in all of the cases, and there's three specific ones that I really had to work through, I feel like they were the culmination of, um, they all represented a specific belief system that was active in my life that I was no longer interested in participating in. I wasn't interested in holding on to them anymore. Um, one belief was that sort of that, that idea that guilt and a habit as well. I had this habit of, of trying to be the hero and rescue people. And then what gets, what unfolds in that is sort of a codependency, you know, a deep codependency. And I become sort of this, um, I allow myself to become the source of somebody's happy, you know what I mean, or safety. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't realize that until this year, like how strong that was. But I saw it with my mom. um, And then I really got to see the experience, the miracle of when I asked her to leave my house in a very loving way, how she really moved through fear and spread her wings and is thriving now. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, okay, so the, it wasn't the most loving thing, which I thought was the most hurtful thing, was to say, it's time for you to go. Yeah. And how much it improved my home life with my husband and all that stuff, you know. So, um, and then, you know, in regards uh, with Kelly, um, how, I mean, it was a really intense situation, but I guess it had to get really intense so that I would really pay attention, but... It's someone who is working through a diagnosis of something. 
um, and um, multiple diagnoses, you know, borderline personality disorder, as well as depression, and someone who is upset and thinks that I'm the reason she's upset and is focusing her upset on me and um, the people that I work with now, you know. she's There's resentment there, and I feel that. So I had to really get accountable for my role in it, and I saw that it is that, you know, a lot of truths and behaviors came up to me, it came up in my face. I saw where I would, you know, I would ignore certain things because I felt Kelly was providing me something that I needed, you know? Right. Um, and uh, so there was this whole thing that came up about, well, is that true? You know, who's my source? Where's my good come from? You know, and so I got really clear on that. Um, and this idea of not not being afraid that I can't do it, you know, that I'm incapable of doing certain things. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's the other personality was um, someone that seemed to always point out what I'm doing wrong, always, 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 not offering constructive feedback, but just pointing out where I'm messing up all the time. And again, that was the expression of the fear that I'm, you know, I was reactive to it because I was afraid that he was right, you know, that I was a mess up, that I couldn't do this, that I was incapable. But working with that and healing that and handing it over, I realized I can do anything. I can do anything. And so I got the gift of that, and now that I really stand in that, they're not, I'm not triggered by them, their personality anymore. Mm. You know, it's as if they've changed. <laughs> but um, there's still this sense of, I don't know, I mean, Kelly's just a really, a major one. Like, I, I, I observe her doing certain things that I know, she, I, I, I feel where it's coming from. I feel that she's doing certain things so she can um, be the center of attention, that she needs that, that. And I compassionately understand that she feels alone, that she feels lonely, that she feels afraid and all of those things. And I get that's where it's, the behavior is coming from. Um, but at the same end, also, a lot of the things that she does forces me to have to deal with her. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Like, there'll be an email with a subtle hint of legal action or something like that that will require me to deal with her. And I also understand where that's coming from as well. So I'm really doing my best to, you know, practice compassion, but also not think that love has to be, love can't be strong. And love can't say, can't be me saying, no, I'm not willing to do that anymore. And um, right. so I guess those are the things that are really coming up. Um, I mean, maybe it's, a, maybe it's me needing to develop a deeper sense of compassion because I go into judgment sometimes, like, there's another person that comes and she says inappropriate things all the time at, on the group level and she posts inappropriate things on the Facebook groups and stuff like that. And I get so upset because I have to work with her, you know, and it's that, that same sort of thing that, um, you know, she'll ask for something. She'll send, you know, she'll send me a ridiculous balance of money that she thinks I owe her that she's just made up in her mind. And 
then I have to work with that. And then, you know, all these things. And it seems like she's just acting crazy. And, and I'm not sure if she's doing it intentionally or not. And so I just get so angry at her for having to deal with it. And yet I understand where that's coming from too, you know. So I guess I'm just learning. I mean, I, I've i worked with you long enough to know that whenever I'm irritated or upset that something's up and to pay attention and to go within and ask. And so it can come up. And I see clearly a lot of the things that are really coming up. One thing that I don't spend too much time contemplating is like perhaps karma, past life karma and stuff like that. But I am interested more in like the thought process that's coming up that's arising in me so I can just sort of um, get really clear as to what's coming up so I don't have to be reactive. I can really become masterful in responsibility. Um, and um, But, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the insecurities, it's guilt, it's all those things that arise in me. And it just makes me um, not interested in dealing with them, you know? Because it's like I know that it's there, and yet I still don't want to deal with their personality. Like, I feel like, okay, I got what the homework assignment is, but I don't want to have to necessarily be in the classroom with you. I I can completely understand and relate. And uh, before I share anything more, Rainbow, do you have anything you'd like to share on this? Hmm. I'm relating to a lot of it and, you know, and kind of like thinking of, um, you know, like comparing it or whatever or seeing to what's relevant in my life. Um, hmm. And I guess the question for me is, yeah, like when, uh, um, at what point is there choice in kind of learning the lesson and then being more um, intentional around kind of who we attract in our life? Um, I guess so I'll share, and, you know, that's the question. I don't know. You know, so um, mm-hmm. I'm... As, uh, you know, as Jesse was sharing, I thought of a particular, um, a couple people, but a a particular person on my team at Bodie that's uh, volunteering with the youth program. Um, And that is often challenging, um, you know, like she's very, very thorough and detail-oriented. So it's like after every Sunday that she serves, like I get like a very long email with things. And sometimes what I just bring, okay, like I just know that's just how she is. And sometimes I get triggered by it and thinking, you know, like, do you, like, what gets triggered in me is like, do you not think I know what I'm doing? Like, I got this, you know, like I'm aware of that, you know. And sometimes I'm also very grateful and appreciative for that level of attention and care and detail that she has for our program and our youth and that she, even takes the time and energy and effort to be that thorough. Um, so I balance, I go back and forth on that. Um, and then there was something in a, in a meeting, a staffing or something recently, and Lola said something about, you know, like who, who are our teams, like who are our people? So it's like, you know, I have my youth volunteers, I have my parents, I have the teens, I have people in practitioner training, and like, you know, all these different people that are kind of like, 
my groups of people that I'm in um, heavy relationship with or whatever, you know, like uh, in in this community. So, um, and like, you know, and how, how is that working? And like, and for us, like, are we the people that people come to? And anyway, so I was just kind of like looking at my team and then it's like, I was thinking particularly of, you know, one of my youth teams, I was like, ooh, and I know this is judgment, but I was kind of like, it's interesting, like, the people on my team, I would not normally choose to spend time with. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't really be the people that I would personally hang out with, um, and they can be, there's um, some personalities in there that are um, perhaps working out some of their own stuff from their childhood is why they're attracted to be with the, you know, they, they're, they seem to um, be very childlike, even though they are adult in their emotional intelligence sometimes and their skills with other people and those kind of things. So I was just noticing that and then saying, okay, one on some level, so I've attracted this and does this work? You know, so I guess that's my question. And so, you know, like, there's always the point, there's like the lessons and there's the people that come in your life and you're willing to glean the understanding and have the healing and, and learn the lessons. And then is there a point that it's like, okay, and I would really love to have a team that is not in, you know, my judgmental word, but you know, it was like, that's maybe not so needy or that's more um, effective in certain ways and, and more powerful in certain ways. And so how can I, so I just started playing with that, being more intentional on who I want to attract in my team. And then, I mean, the only thing that, this is pretty recently, the only thing that shifted is that one particular person that um, she served for several years that I do find, like I said, sometimes really challenging and sometimes I really appreciate, but she, um, let, you know, let like put in her notice or whatever that she's not going to be volunteered anymore. And I was kind of like, okay, like I'm fine with that, <laughs> you know, so that's anyway those were those were some of my thoughts to um what you were sharing too and just and, and particularly in ministry it's like there are people there are volunteers there's people that are community members and all of this that we are here to just love and be in service to and with and all of that that um and it's very different than who I might think that I would necessarily choose in my like friend group Right. But yeah, it's definitely people I'm around a lot. Uh, right. Because of that. Yes. Well, you've both stated uh, your situations and what's coming up very clearly. You have a lot of awareness, obviously. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the one of the things I can share with you, obviously the number one thing is we're never upset for the reason we think, of course, miracles. And uh, we're, we're actually only upset because we're choosing to think unloving thoughts. That's as near as I can tell, that's the only reason anybody is ever <laughs> upset or afraid is because they're choosing to think thoughts that aren't true. So the, now, certainly, there are people who can come into our field who are nervous, upset, agitated, stuff like that, and we can feel their field of energy when it meets ours that we feel there's a disturbance that's happening. 
and it can be felt. Um, and I remember one time I was doing something with Venerable, and I went into this negative line of thinking. And afterwards, even though I said not one word, gave no evidence whatsoever of it, afterwards she immediately came to me and said, are you all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you sure you're all right? Really? What was going on? Why? What was happening? Something felt, you know, she, who knows how she actually perceived it, but she could perceive it. So we're very sensitive beings. We're very, very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And we're training ourselves to be even more sensitive. But not in a way that it makes us vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But in the way that If somebody comes into our field and we perceive the disturbance, that we amplify our consciousness of love and light. And Mm -hmm. we don't feel we're on our own having to do it on our own or that things are happening to us. So guaranteed, walking this road, especially in a very visible way, life is going to bring to us the people with the sticks to poke our private wounded places. Mm -hmm. They are like sent from heaven to poke, 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 poke until they can't get a response that's not loving. And that's how the field gets cleared. It's it's like working out at the gym. You keep lifting more weight and lifting more weight and lifting more weight until you can do whatever you'd like to do, until you can levitate and fly and and hold a group of thousands of people if that's what is on your agenda to do. So knowing that, I think if we can always start from the place of thank you, you've come to bless me. Mm -hmm. And uh, which, you know, it's, just because we're trained to do that and think that and teach that doesn't mean that it's always the first thought in our mind, you know. And nobody likes to have their shortcomings brought up. And it and there are many times when it's very appropriate for the leader to say, that's not what we're doing here or to mm-hmm. be very definitive and very clear. And many times spiritual leaders are ineffective because they don't understand how to be what real love, real compassion is. Mm-hmm. And what real kindness is, like Jesse talked about with his mom. That was a very good lesson for you. You realized that you were uh codependent with her. And enabling her to play small wasn't your intention, but it took you a while to realize that, right, Jess? Yeah, and, you know, it also was a really great healing because, uh, you know, she was moving through so much financial fear, um, and which was up for healing for me as well. Right. You know, and even in the, you know, this idea, you know, she she would reference often, well, isn't the money that I'm paying for rent helpful to you guys? Aren't you trying to save? And it would 
pause me and Chris to be like, ooh, maybe she's right. You know, maybe she, you know, maybe we should just not push this. And then I thought, no, absolutely not. I was like, I'm not playing that game anymore. I am done being afraid of finance. All I need are always met. My bills are always paid. And if anything, it's just an invitation from the universe to play a bigger game. So let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And we did. And I was like, and I'm not going to know that for her either. I know that she's capable. I know she's capable. And let me tell you something. Since she's moved out, she not only has gotten a raise at her work, she was just named Teacher of the Month. And get this, she got a really tiny little studio in Hollywood. And the building manager came into her apartment to fix something, looked around and looked at her and said, you know what, this place is way too small for you. I'm going to upgrade you to a one-bedroom, no charge, and give you a parking space. (laughs) And I mean, isn't that wild? And and it's because she took it as an invitation to do deep spiritual work. She's doing, Mm -hmm. she's really working with affirmations. She's really working with prayers. She's really working with angels. And... Now she's feeling successful. She's growing and expanding and understanding that she is capable of doing anything. Yeah. You know, she looks younger, she looks brighter, she looks healthier, she's lost weight. It's all these things. And I'm like, wow, you know, that is such an affirmation to me from the universe that we have to be able, we have to be able to see the potential as well. That's right. And, and like Jennifer, you said, that doesn't necessarily mean we hire the potential. <laughs> right, but we see it and know it, and know that they can achieve it. So it's like holding that container for them, but allowing that to be a reflection of ourselves as well. Right, that's right. Indeed, and so, and you learned a similar lesson with Kelly that uh, helping her to move on and not tolerating her passive-aggressive whatever games was, you know, when we play those games, it's not helpful to anyone. And it's really important for for the spiritual leader, it's essential for success for the whole tribe that the leader not allow people to do discordant behavior unchecked in the community. You know, we're always teaching the efficacy of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, so challenging. I I have well, to say, I, I watched that with Michael Beckwith for many, many years, that there were many people at Agape who... You know, you could say, oh, pluses and minuses, pluses and minuses. But, you know, this person does this, but you have to deal with their this problem or that. And I, there were many times when I wished that he would step forward as the leader and say yes, no, stuff like that. But he didn't like to do that. There were times when he would do it a little bit, but there were a lot of things that he just was like, I'm not getting into it. And uh, that was his strategy. And But I honestly, I think it sends a message to the whole community that consistency in the community is not valued. And then there will always be people who um, will uh, – there will always be people who – sorry, I, I was getting another call. I'm waiting for the plumber. 
but um, um, there will always be people who will be the police and come running to you. Mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy, look uh-huh. what they did, look what they did, look what they did. And, um, and they serve a function too. And so, because you know, one of the things about being a spiritual leader is you are suddenly, you are the mom and the dad. Uh-huh. And everybody projects their mommy, daddy stuff onto you. They do, they do, they do. It's some intense shit sometimes, man. It's some very, and they're projecting it on you, A, so that you can help them with it, and B, if it bothers you, it's your stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the bottom line. So the thing is, yes, we see we see the the pristine Christ potential in everyone, and as I have learned painfully. If the person does not see it in themselves, then that is important information. If if the person doesn't see it in themselves and they're not actively willing or looking to see it, then you have to take that into consideration in how you treat them. Because otherwise you're, in a sense, you uh, are, you're going to end up not really helping them, not really being effective. And I've I've had painful learning around that. And people will run to you all the time and ask you what to do, what to do, what to do, but then they won't do it. And that was something I experienced a lot of when I first started counseling is that thing of people ask me what to do week after week, month after month, and they just wouldn't do it. And they would come back more miserable and more miserable and more miserable. And I'd ask them, did you do the things that we talked about last time? Well, I just, I couldn't because I had my work schedule changed and then I had to move and, oh, and I just, and then my roommate's dog was barking and, you know, it's like, so, um, and when I first started working with people who were doing that stuff, it bothered me. It bothered me. Mm-hmm. And I judged them. That's why it bothered me. I thought, oh, for God's sakes, why don't they just listen to what I'm saying? Trying <laughs> to help them, you know? And so um, I I had to transform my mind around that. And... I don't have that anymore. Those clients do not come and talk to me. Now the people who come and talk with me are the people who are interested in my support. They're willing to take steps and take action and to do their own work. And then they come back, they get some more steps, and they work those, and they are course correcting and working it. And so I... I. I really can see how everyone is always going to bring to me my stuff for healing and that having really clear intention. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with and everything right with having very clear intention, like you were talking about, Rainbow, about exactly mm-hmm. the kind of people you would like to serve, 
exactly mm-hmm. the kind of people you would like to work with. That's how this world works. And when we live from that space of intentionality, it's so powerful because we teach everyone around us. Mm-hmm. And it's just happening all the time. Like, And in, in the smallest, smallest ways, I had just the most beautiful little demonstration the other day. I was at the beach, and um, the sun moved, and the tree was now shading where I was, and I, I wished to continue to be in the sun. So I moved my towel further down the beach, and I passed this couple who were sitting there, and they were reading their books, and um, they had their all their stuff around them, their cooler and their boogie boards and all their stuff, and they were totally ensconced in their thing, but they were totally reading their books. And I was watching the surfers, and I was watching the whales in the distance playing in the, in the water. And mm-hmm. so, and the whales were just having a time of it. So I... I noticed that they just weren't even looking at anything that was happening, and it was so spectacular. And so I said, I just got up from my towel, and I walked over to theirs, and I said, excuse me, are you from Kauai? And they said, oh, no, no, we're on vacation. I said, well, just myself, I live here, but I never tire of seeing the whales jumping and playing, and I thought you might be interested. They're right there, right in front of you. Mm -hmm. you And they were like, oh, my God. And they were so happy and excited to see the whales, you know. And so I went back to my towel. They were, thank you so much, and everything fine. And I was looking at their boogie boards, and I thought, you know, my friend Freddie is visiting me. I'm going to get us some boogie boards tomorrow for Valentine's Day. And uh, and we'll go boogie boarding together, and that will be fun. So I was like, yeah, ah, that's great. And so I was was reading my book and watching the whales and the surfers and and then after an hour they came over to me and they said we're leaving tomorrow and we bought these boogie boards and we're not going to need them anymore so would you (laughs) like to have them and I said yes I would love to have those boogie boards and do you know one of them perfectly matches uh, they have two, the one's green and one's blue, and I have a green beach towel and a blue beach towel. I mean, it's like it couldn't <laughs> even be more perfect. So mm-hmm. it's about really like, what would you like? It's always going. What would you like? So how would you like each of these people to behave? You know, mm-hmm. how would you like them to treat you? How would you like them to be in community? And broadcasting that. The other thing is. To really tell people all the time what's helpful and what's not helpful. Because people mm-hmm. do not know. They don't know. People don't know what's respectful and unrespectful. They don't know. And spiritual teachers and spiritual community take behavior to a whole different level because it's fine for people sitting around a, le- a living room in a consciousness raising group. I think it's fine if they want to swear and be vulgar and all of that. But if they're in a spiritual community in a sacred space, to me, it's not fine. Hmm. It's not fine. It's a different kind of a space. And so, but people don't know that. People do not know that. So mm-hmm. it's always about telling people, really, and teaching them, and mm-hmm. not assuming that they know. 
That's one of the biggest challenges is to assume that people know. And you know what? With the person, Jesse, who's always criticizing you, honestly, I, I, I don't know if you ever did this. Have you ever just taken them out for coffee and said, I'd like to point something out to you. You, you you don't ever have a positive thing to say to me. I'm always interested in your feedback. I don't mind your criticism at all. But that's all you ever have for me. What's that about? Because I actually did do that. Yeah? Hmm. Yeah. I said, you know, I don't want to get up from this table until you and I have a clearing. So I'd like you to know that it comes from a place of love. Because I love you and I respect you and I really see how much you contribute, and I'd also like to know what's going on here. And, you know, I mean, listen, it was to the extent that they could share. I mean, they gave me the answer without giving me the answer, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it was, they didn't feel seen. You know, they didn't feel seen. And uh, they didn't feel like we were, I was util, utilizing his potential. And he has, and, uh, so I heard that, and I was like, okay, great. So I made an extra effort to extend a hand when in those situations to hear if he has anything he'd like to share, you know, anything else that he'd like to add to it or any uh, professional advice. And, um, you know, and he wasn't totally ready to receive it. Um, and what I get was that he withholds information that he feels is valuable as a punishment, you know, if uh, if if he's not feeling seen enough. So I definitely made that adjustment, and I understand, I understood where it, what it was coming from. And I was able to, you know, do what I do. I pray on it, support it, and be as available as I could to speak to that potential and speak to the healing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And hold the space for him to step up, too. And it's been actually working really well. It's been like um, leaps and bounds in just weeks of time. There you go. Um, I did want to say one thing that I really have been observing, and it's something I really made a vow to release from my experience. And it happens a lot, at least in my spiritual community, is that people will not say something to someone because they don't either, A, they don't want confrontation or what they feel will be confrontation or they don't want to upset them or hurt their feelings. And so they allow their friends oftentimes to engage in what I observe as really um, destructive behavior without saying anything. Mm. And I thought, how unloving is that? (laughs) Can you give an example? Can you give well, an example? Yeah, I mean, since it's us and they won't ever hear this, my friend Francia has, I don't know exactly everything that unfolded, but she's very, um, you know, she did a lot of work with the Sacred Flames a couple years ago. She had all this stuff happen. And what it, the outward appearance looks like she had a little bit of a psychotic break of some sort. And... She was hearing guidance and voices and all these things. She was acting really inappropriately. Um, she was becoming obsessive uh, and almost displaying some like sort of stalker behavior to 
people in um, my life and would say extremely inappropriate things at the group level, start talking about warning everyone about the power and the and the effects of working with this sacred flame. And I would tell her often, darling, we don't teach that. That's not in our general curriculum. So I'd appreciate it if you don't reference it. Because I know through my work with the sacred flames that that's really mystical stuff. And you have to take responsibility for introducing that those teachings to people, even if it's in a warning situation that might create intrigue around it, you know? So mm-hmm. I guess that that wasn't any good for her or anyone, and it would just make her look, you know, people would get uncomfortable around her. And what I would see is, and she would, I don't know if she was pretending to forget conversations, but we'd have to have the same conversation over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, and just when it seems like she was starting to, like, level out a little bit, she'd do something sort of irrational and strange and, you know. Let, uh, let me... Let me interject here for a second because you were saying that other people around her weren't saying anything. Is yeah. That you were? Yeah. So I'm observing some of her good friends weren't saying anything to her. Like they were sort of, sort of just pulling back and avoiding the contact, which I feel like just made her go further in it. You know, mm-hmm. like kind of like. If a child's being ignored, how yeah. start screaming even more loudly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I finally was like, enough of the shit. I was like, someone has, I'm like, I have to tell her that she's acting crazy and that I need to know what is happening here. How can we be of service? What is it that you need to say and express? Because I love you. I'd love for you to be a part of this um, community, but you're acting really inappropriately, you know? And so I finally just did. And from that point on, and I've had a series of exchanges with this person now because everything seems fine and then I get, you know, a random email saying that I owe her thousands of dollars or something like that. And and I always address it now with, what is this about? I mean, we had a conversation. I'm not accepting this. So what is, what's really going on here? You know, what is it that you're trying to share here? What 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 do you need to what needs to be said? Because I get that it's you know, a challenge in communication of some sort. That is but anyway, so I really decided I'm not going to be afraid and this was the big one for me. I decided I was not gonna be afraid of anyone leaving the community anymore. Mm, that mm-hmm. that my fear of people leaving or walking away my fear of not being able to have the finances or the manpower or whatever to go forward, I was put, I was throwing that out. I was letting that go, releasing it, because it wasn't letting me do my job of being supportive and, and, and helping people, you know. It was creating that codependent relationship with my congregation, and it wasn't helping anyone. It certainly wasn't making my job any more delightful. And... What I see is when you just talk to it, when you address it, and you don't pretend it's not happening because you don't want to look like an asshole, when you're just being honest and coming from a loving place, then you create at least a space for dialogue to unfold that can, that can you know, begin to support a shift in perception, God willing, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Indeed. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing is many people do not feel that they can have a helpful conversation with someone who's going through a difficult time. And and many people, they're right about it. They're right about it. So, um, for instance, I've had experiences where well-meaning friends are very well-meaning friends are helping people who are going through very difficult times, and they start giving them advice, but they don't know. Their advice is not good advice, and the the way that they're distributing the advice, it's it's clear there there's judgment, there's opinion, there's fear, and they are not helping the person at all. But that's their intention. Their intention is to be loving and to be helpful and to say things like, you know what, you're really screwed up. You have some really big problems here, and this is what I think you should do. And they they think because they have, um, or you know, be, because they're a psychiatrist, that the answer is some kind of pharmaceutical, you know, or they think because they're a medical doctor, the answer is some other kind of pharmaceutical or this or that, and they just they do not know. They don't know, really, and um, so people and people also are afraid. To get people's wrath, and that's why many people will suck it up and either do the the they'll just deal with whatever the person the way the person is acting out, or they'll just withdraw from the relationship. Exactly the behaviors that you're seeing there, and so the question then becomes: What is the spiritual leader or spiritual counselors? position in this and so I, I I'm of the school where I would go to the person and say how are you how are you you seem like uh, things are challenging for you right now how are you and create the opening for the person to share and ask for help. And many times people are not willing to ask for help, mostly because they don't feel worthy, but sometimes because they feel they don't need any help. And so the thing is to let them know you care, you love them, you're there for them, and if they would like support, that you can provide that. But then it's also you have to weigh how much time you have for pastoral care because you can't Mm -hmm. sacrifice the care of the congregation for, for like Rainbow, in your circumstance, you're a mom, you have a family, you have a wife, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you have other responsibilities so you can't just go and suddenly start taking taking care of someone, but that's not the answer anyway. So mm-hmm. we are never the answer. Mm-hmm. We are never the answer. We are never anybody's savior. What we can do is we can hold the mirror up with love, compassion, and with with unflinching love and compassion. 
And that's what we're training ourselves to be able to do. And some situations are really tricky because people's minds, are, they're not in their right mind. And sometimes it's very tricky. Mm-hmm. In which case, it's good to get other people's advice. It really is. And, you know, if you're thinking that someone's friends should be talking with them, you you are in judgment. And you can reach out to that friend and say, how are you doing? I see your friend is someone who's so close to you is going through a difficult time. How are you doing? rather than just thinking they should do something. Because if they're not doing anything, they honestly don't feel qualified or know what to do or feel Mm -hmm. capable. We've definitely had a few experiences where everyone just seemed flabbergasted and it was sort of like a new experience for a lot of people, a new experience for me, you know. And I guess we don't know until we do, you know. We don't know what we don't know until we know what we know. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen some weird things, um, some insane dysfunctional behavior in my days, uh, and I've seen it done by ministers, you know, I really have. And um, I, one thing I, I, I always remember was um, there have been a couple of times when Michael Beckwith was giving a sermon, you know, in front of a huge room full of people, and so one time, I wasn't there, but one time in New York, he was speaking in New York, and a woman actually said, stop shouting at her. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he's filled with the spirit, so he gets very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. And she didn't like it. <laughs> you know? So I don't know exactly how he handled it or what he said, but <laughs> stuff like that happens. I remember one oh, yeah. time. Oh, Yeah. Someone who was having a psychotic episode started shouting and talking, talking back with Reverend Michael, you know, mm-hmm. from the pulpit. But he knew the guy, and he just said to him, you know, Dave, right now it's my time to talk. So I'm going to be the one mm-hmm. who's talking, and you and I can talk later. You know, and that quieted him down. And... um and there have been many times when people came to services at Agape and just started taking their clothes off and doing weird stuff, you know. <laughs> so um, you have a small space there, Jesse, so that stuff, you're able to spot it more easily. <laughs> <laughs> it starts happening. Well, you know? we but, actually encourage that, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have anything to, to share about this, Rainbow? Um, uh, let's see. No, I think for me, I mean, like what you were just saying, yes, like I have, uh, we've experienced similar stories here, um, at Bodie. Um, and, and then just as far as the like sharing or something that's been up for me too, that I've been, um, just kind of aware of and wanting to work through, I guess, is 
um, again, like when, uh, particularly in my class I'm teaching of practitioners, um, like I received an email and somebody felt triggered by something someone else did and they want me to like, you know, bring it up or remind the group of the agreements, but I want to have a conversation with the person that was right. triggered about what was triggered, you know, because I, right, I can right. see the whole dynamic very clearly. Um, and so I, instead of even responding to the email, I said, can we set up a time to talk? And then the time we set to talk didn't work out. And anyway, class is tonight. So I'm kind of aware of like, all right, I need to have this conversation. And I noticed the resistance in myself. Um, I get talking about personalities and, you know, what it feels, um, it's difficult for me because it feels confrontive or whatever to, to kind of put it back on this person, but I know that's what needs to be done for her mm-hmm. growth. And I also mm-hmm. notice my tendency to just avoid that. And then be like, well, mm-hmm. maybe she'll be fine and just show up tonight and it won't be an issue. You know, like I can just mm-hmm. feel that really strong magnetic pull of just like sweep it under the rug and it'll be fine, which is like how I've always like dealt with things instead of having to deal with the conflict. And what I realized recently is like that's not helping anyone mm-hmm. um and so i can know that intellectually but i'm still noticed it still feels really scary to me to have that conversation um and so anyway so that's that's something i'm that's up for me right now um and i did right away when i got the email like friday or whenever it was um reached out to another practitioner here and someone that has taught this class before um so was very familiar with that dynamics and just kind of got some support and prayer around that, um, which felt really great. Um, And so anyway, so I just am aware that I still haven't had that conversation um, and I'm willing to do it even though it feels scary. And um, yeah, and I don't, I don't know if you have any specific ideas on like, I guess like I don't even know how to start it. You know, so like when you're like, you know, how are you? You know, you know, it's like because I have a feeling that she might be thinking, oh, great, yeah, let's talk about how Rainbow can fix it for me. What's yeah. Rainbow going to do? You know, it's like I want to turn that conversation right away, and yet my fear right. is that then she's going to feel like, oh, she's not hearing me. You know, like I can just see her whole pattern of things that could be triggered with me yeah. in this conversation, and that's what's making me want to just withhold. But yeah, I don't yeah. want to do that. anyway. So that's well. Yeah. You know, the thing is, and I, I recognize we're at time here, so we'll we'll go yeah. a few minutes more with this. Um, so this is the thing too, where people come to mommy and daddy mm-hmm. to get some to fix it, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a very very common thing. And our job is to empower people to A, see things correctly, and then B, take loving action. So mm-hmm. it's, it is it is like a counseling session. So um, yeah. I always start with gratitude. I'm so grateful you came to me, I, mm. I, you know, that you were triggered by this and you came to me because you'd like to resolve it. You're on a spiritual path. You'd like to see things correctly. So... Mm-hmm. Um, Let's just let's look at the trigger. What did it trigger in you? Mhm. Okay. How are you feeling about it? And then they can express that. And in their expression of how they felt, there is the opportunity, especially with you holding the space, 
for them to start to take ownership of being triggered. Mm-hmm. And you can help them see, you know, would anyone be triggered by this? Would everyone be triggered by this? Or is this something for your healing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she even put the email, and other people don't seem to mind, but, you know, she always cuts me off, and da-da-da-da-da, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> it's like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the issue is somebody in the class cuts her off all the time? Yeah, she feels like she doesn't get her voice heard or she doesn't get a chance to share because this one particular person, when she starts to share, always jumps in. Right. Well, whenever somebody says always or never in that kind of a way, mm-hmm. they're totally in their ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it could be common between these two people. It kind of feels like it to me. And so this the trigger is helping her develop a skill set of being able to say something like, "Hang on a second, let's let's hear what what um, Nancy has to say." You know, mm-hmm. like let's say Debbie's the interrupter and Nancy's the one who's getting interrupted. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you can say, "Hang on a second, Debbie, let's let's hear Nancy finish, and then mm-hmm. then you can." You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you you as a moderator, you can. You can hold that role, right? But if 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 Nancy is saying she always does this to me, then that's where her work is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and she's like, you know, like I'm willing to do goes. exactly. She's like, I'm willing to own my part, but she needs to own her part. And I'm kind of like, well, okay, I, you know. But it's like it doesn't really. It's you say that, but it doesn't really sound like you're willing to own your part. And like, really, all she can do is her part right yeah exactly that's the always and never and yeah so this is a whole thing that's come up for healing because people who are people interrupt me frequently mm-hmm. they do they interrupt me frequently and there are also many many times when nobody interrupts me so mm-hmm. um and some people interrupt me more than others and um that's life. And right. if it bothers me, then that's my work to do. And why are they interrupting me? Why is someone in her class always interrupting her, so to speak, quote, mm-hmm. unquote, always, um, when she's trying to articulate something in her spiritual class? That's a significant thing. Like, what's that about? What's the gift in there for her to receive yeah. in looking at that? Mhm, mhm. And there may or may, and if other people aren't really experiencing that kind of thing, and she sent an email to everyone in the group except the person. No, no, she just sent it to me. Oh, I see. But and apparently, when I talked to this other practitioner that had this group in a class last year, it's a very, it's been a running theme that they all like sat down and had a whole mediation process around at one point last year so it's coming up again which i'm glad between i reached out to that person you know yeah just between these two yes exactly mhm yeah yeah that's that's a challenge because people are definitely going you know, to get triggered by each other and work out their karma in your mm-hmm. conscience mhm <laughs> 
There's mm-hmm. no classroom that that won't happen. Yeah. Like I was talking to someone in Master Living recently, and I said, I really strongly encourage you to listen to some of the community calls. I think that they will really support you. And mm-hmm. she said, oh, God, I can't even begin to listen to them. I just judge them so much. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. And I could feel how much it would benefit her to have compassion for herself by hearing other people share. But you see, mm-hmm. she's not having compassion for them, which is an issue mm-hmm. she doesn't have compassion for herself. Mm-hmm. So pe- people are always mirroring. So you you can ask her to become, let's say Nancy, to become mm-hmm. very aware does she allow herself to finish her thoughts? Does she mm-hmm. feel her thoughts are worth listening to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. and, and both people have work to do. And if you, do you feel like she, the other one does interrupt a lot? I haven't noticed it. I mean, I yeah. yes, she's definitely a more... Um, outgoing kind of personality but I haven't like when what she specifically called I, I called out or whatever I didn't notice mm-hmm. it as you know that and that's the thing too I was like huh I didn't think it was a big deal I don't know right well now you'll be more aware exactly yeah of what's going on yeah mm-hmm <sighs> Yeah, it just feels like it's it it feels um, as a growing opportunity for me too because I I can't like I can so clearly see it and everything you just shared like yep I get like exactly like I know that's exact conversation and yet I like even sitting right here my whole body starts to feel nervous. Great, I mean not great but great awareness. <laughs> I'm like um not so great. <laughs> And I know, like, this is what I'm called to do. So it's really interesting, yeah. you know. So it's like, if I really want to be an effective spiritual teacher, then it's having these conversations and letting people, uh, providing an opportunity for people to to really work on their stuff and not just get away with it and to do the motions and read the stuff and say, yeah, I've done all this. Well, you haven't really looked at yourself. So, yeah, I know that's what it I is. do. And it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it is. It's we learn. It's like um, when I first learned to ski, I, mm-hmm. I learned to ski on a very small mountain in Maine, but it was very icy. And every mm-hmm. time I did a run, I thought I could feel that there was a, a very good chance I could die. Mm-hmm. That I would fall, my neck would break, my back would break, I would be paralyzed forever. There was a very, I was very close to death, just going those little bunny hops, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, it was terrifying. I'd never experienced such terror. But I realized that I could overcome that incredibly visceral terror if I could mm-hmm. just keep working with it and stay prayerful and mindful and and trust that the mountain was holding me and that the spirit of the earth was holding me and that I was loved and beloved and I wasn't out on my own uh, trying to do something crazy. So it's the same thing in spiritual teaching. You know, when I first started running groups, 
every group I had, there would be somebody who would say, this is just bullshit. (laughs) They would say that. And I (laughs) I was teaching spirituality in the context of offering this healing program EMC uh-huh. squared you know about it right oh yeah and yeah, I, yeah. I would have meetings every month and people would come in and say this is just lunacy this is insanity mm-hmm. you can't believe what she's saying she's just this is crazy ass shit here she's talking about <laughs> you know and um in and uh, or I would run a meeting about the practice of nonviolence, and people would say, "But there are times when violence is the answer. There are, you know, and the history is proven mm-hmm, it." Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and um, people would get so upset with me, and and I would remain calm. I took it as my this is my charge to hold the space. I was learning how to do it. And afterwards, always, 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 people would come up to me every single time and they would say, you know what, just the very fact that you were able to address their questions and their upset so calmly made me think, this is for me. This is the Mm -hmm. program I need. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, it's that chance to demonstrate it. And it's like it was skiing, riding a bike and all kinds of things. You know, you learn how to really be able to do it masterfully. And then it's like I say uh, sometimes in a sermon, I'll say, you know, people think, oh, it's so hard to do this. You know, personality, people's relationship stuff, it's so hard. It's so terrifying. It's so gut-wrenching. I said, but, you know, I have learned how to drive a car while eating my lunch, while talking on the phone, while checking out the guy, hot guy walking down the sidewalk. <laughs> I can do all these things at higher speeds, you know, in traffic in L.A. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I know we can we can handle a lot. We can learn to handle mm-hmm. a lot. And um, until it just becomes, because we're seeing it correctly, and that's the thing is, to recognize that there's that within each of these people that we've talked about that is yearning for you to hold the space for them, and that's why they're showing up in front of you. And Mm -hmm. just let God do the work through you every time. That's always the answer. It's your willingness. It's God, I'm 100% willing. You know, it's like you've all heard me say that uh, when I first started doing sessions and people would come in with stuff that was, terrifying to me like oh my god i have no idea what to say to you and i would just say help me jesus help me Mm -hmm. jesus help me jesus and then something miraculous would come through me and i learned so much because of that Mm -hmm. all right wow what a deep intense conversation thank you so much what a Mm -hmm. blessing thank you so take this breath of love and gratitude, so grateful and so thankful for the wholeness that's revealing itself in our activities, so grateful and thankful for the love of God that's our very nature and our very essence, so grateful and thankful to consciously partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of recognizing our divinity and the divinity of all life, how wonderful it is to know the right where we are, the fullness of God's love, wisdom, intelligence, magnificence, and healing power is fully activated. We are grateful and thankful to be in the flow of all this goodness, 
to share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. And in deep gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. So it is. Yes. Well, God bless you both. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye for now. Talk to you. Okay. Bye-bye. The moderator has left the conference.